Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is my baby, the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm Henry Chisholm. Oh, it's presented by Illegal Pete's. I already screwed this up. But uh, yeah, I'm Henry. This is the DNVR Buffs podcast, the uh, only long daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. And thank goodness that it's a long podcast because so much has happened since the last time I have spoken with you guys. Again, I say this every week, but these weekends are actually really hard on me because I feel like I get lonely without you. All these thoughts just stay in my head and they get all tangled up. Um, Again, since the last time we've talked, Mel Tucker has reportedly accepted an interview to go interview for the head coaching job at Michigan State. He's also said that that's not the case. He's not interviewing, that he is a Colorado Buffalo for the long haul, that this is not a stepping stone job. This is a destination job to him. So much to unpack there. Um, Also, Jimmy Brumbaugh, the defensive line coach, is headed to Tennessee to take the same job, likely for more money. I haven't seen the contract details yet, but uh, that's going on. Also, the Buffs basketball team is now ranked 16th in the country, and that's like the third storyline of the day. That's how crazy this is. Um, and before we talk about all of that, I want to talk about something entirely different. I teased that I had an announcement a few weeks ago that I was really excited about. I think I was giggling a lot. Um, and that is this. I'm officially allowed to tell people. Next Friday, February 21st, I will be judging the... Uh, Miss Hooters Colorado pageant in Aurora at the Hooters there. Um, I personally have never been to a Hooters. For those of you who are longtime listeners, you probably uh, would have guessed that because that's not a situation where I can go without being extremely uncomfortable and awkward. Um, we like to talk a lot about my interactions with women on this podcast and um most of them, again, go poorly because I am just awkward in those situations. We're putting me in the most awkward possible of those situations, having me um, judge the Miss Hooters Colorado pageant. Uh, again, I don't even know what to expect from this, and that's part of the reason. Again, I'm like getting weird and uptight just thinking about it. But yeah, uh, 7 o'clock next Friday, Hooters, Aurora, maybe I'll see you there. Um, and my face is going to be so red. But uh, yeah, so that's the big news. Um, before we jump into the things you guys actually care about, which is, you know, the buffs and the sports, and uh, not what I'm doing on my Friday nights, I want to tell you a tiny bit more about Illegal Pete's, the best place to get a burrito, um, because they have a great deal for you Buffs fans. 
Um, hopefully you guys took advantage. You had the perfect opportunity this weekend. If you have a ticket to any event, any event at all, um, you can bring it into an illegal Pete's that same day before or after and get a free margarita or a free draft beer just by buying an entree and showing them that ticket. Oh, also you have to have an ID because they don't give it to underage people. So if you're trying to use this as like a thing, no, they do check your ID. Um, and I know because I did that, um, I, I used the the deal that we have going and I got a free margarita and it was delicious and a little bit strong, which is great for my budget because that's where I'm at in life. I cannot say uh, enough good things about Illegal Pete's. I also had like a burrito bowl and I hadn't, I hadn't been to Illegal Pete's in months, but it's just such great stuff. You can be sure that I will be there much more often. Um, also, again, the free draft beer, free margarita, any game, any event, show them the ticket, same day, buy an entree, great, perfect. Um, it's all like recyclable products, recyclable materials. They're very forward thinking in that regard. And the food's good. Buffs. Oh, also six locations in Denver, two in Boulder, where a lot of you are. I can geo track you, track you, not like individually, but in terms of like numbers. A lot of people from Boulder listen. Um, and also one in Fort Collins if you're in enemy territory up there. Maybe not even enemy tor- territory, just like worse territory. Um, okay, the bus, where do we even start? It gives me anxiety just thinking about all of the things that we have to talk about today and how quickly I have to try to get through them so that this doesn't become a crazy long podcast. But uh, let's just start with the Mel stuff. Hopefully some of you checked out my Periscope right after that first report came out. I jumped on Periscope, kind of, I felt that my role was to try to talk people off the ledge. It's terrifying news, shocking news, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Mel is trying to get out of here. And again, since then, Mel tweeted that he is happy again that this is, I don't think he tweeted that this is a destination job, not a stepping stone job, but he has been in California all weekend talking to boosters with Rick George. A clip came out from there of him saying exactly that. Um, he's a buff. For some reason that report came out. We can get into conspiracy theories in a second. I have plenty of those. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what happened. And again, it's the Detroit Free Press reporting. Uh, and this was th- Thursday? No, Wednesday night. Yeah. No, Friday night. It was Friday night. There we go. It was right before a Buffs game. Friday night, the D- D- Detroit, Detroit, ooh, words, uh, Free Press uh, with two reporters on the story reported that Mel Tucker was one of two candidates uh, interviewing for the job over the weekend. Um, meanwhile, like I said, Mel was in San Francisco, in, I think, LA, in San Diego the night the news broke, talking to boosters, raising money. Um, hopefully that went well, by the way. Um, but it was a weird thing. We got almost no response out of anybody. Uh, I know Ryan was talking to his sources up in Boulder. Um, they didn't really have much. They, they were kind of surprised by the whole thing. Um, the people I talked to, um, at various levels of the athletic department, talking to some boosters as well. Um, they, they were pretty much blindsided by the whole thing, or at least were saying they were blindsided. A lot of the people, I mean, yeah, it's a, it was a weird night. It was a really weird night. Uh, and then Saturday we wake up me early because you don't never know when the news is going to break. 
And about one o'clock, a little before one o'clock, Mel tweets that uh, he isn't thinking about leaving Colorado, that this is his spot. And uh, basically for that 18 hours in between, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's uh, what's going through Mel's mind. We know that he was like on a plane with Rick George and Rick had to have known, like they had to have had that conversation. The reports came out. Um, again, if you want to watch the initial reaction, that's on my Twitter on the Periscope. Uh, it's like 32 minutes or something of me talking about exactly this. We do have that more information now that Mel isn't actually going to uh, leave. Okay, just some thoughts here. Um, the rumor came out for a reason, and it was more than a rumor. Uh, let's start there. It was a report, and typically these types of reports are correct. Again, two sources, two reporters. You, you uh, Reports aren't always right. Sources can be wrong. You think back to the report that Clay Helton from the Sports Illustrated, Maven, like USC, whatever they call it, blog, um, reporter that they hired to run the blog. I don't even know what we're calling what Sports Illustrated is doing right now, but that's a different story. Um, but they, he reported that Clay Helton was going to be fired, and that wasn't that was a wrong report. There haven't been a very many bad reports at all, um, and so that's why it's so noteworthy that that did happen. Um, no confirmation. Again, everybody I talked to was just saying they're pretty blindsided. Um, I think that that's probably what was going on with the other reporters. I haven't talked to other reporters about what they went through trying to talk to people, but I'd guess it was more of the same. Um, talking to a couple players, actually, they were blindsided by it. Um, scared, kind of on edge. Um, hearing that they actually kind of talked to coaches and the coaches didn't tell them that they knew what was going on. So I, I, I mean, I believe that this was kind of blindsiding to everybody. Um, that would make a lot of sense for a bunch of different reasons. Um, if this was a play by Mel, and, and we talk a lot about how he knows how to work the narrative, how how to work the media, um, that that is something that he is very good at. Um, and that's part of the reason he is so successful, and that's a great skill to have. Uh, it's not necessarily just manipulating everybody. Uh, in these situations, it can kind of feel like it. Um, it. It can feel like, what's Mel doing? Typically, we're on his side, but he's saying things that we don't like him to say and how he's manipulating it. And so it does have this little bit darker tinge that's I, I think uh, some Buffs fans clearly don't like. Um, I think that not liking it's a little bit overplayed. You kind of just have to trust him and it's tougher to trust him when these reports are coming out and I get that, but he is still doing what's best for the buffs. I think that's very clear through this whole process. Um, what could he be trying to do? Um, he could be trying to, and this is one of the initial theories was that he's trying to get himself a raise, um, showing that he could, uh, what this whole thing did was show off where he stands nationally, that, that there is a lot of hype behind him, that he is uh, gaining steam. He's, he's on the national shows. He's getting talked about by the national report. And, and that's not something that has happened to Buffs coaches all that often in the last 20 years or so. Um, but, but it is kind of him going out and saying, hey, look at what I am. Um, and, and one of, one of the things that I was speculating about, uh, in that periscope was that it could be him trying to work his way into a raise, um, that, you know, he's, he's making $2.4 million this year. Um, and 
the the last coach D'Antoni at Michigan State made 4.4 million dollars last year and so if, if he were to get there get offered that job it would it might not be for 4.4 million a year but it'd likely be a lot more than that 2.4 million uh, it could be that he was going through that just so he could come back to Boulder and say hey guys look this is what's out there I know we this is a little bit early for me to be asking for a raise um but look I'm worthy um as of right now, I don't think that that's what it was. Um, I, I do think that it was a bit of a, a power grab. Not power. A, a lot of these terms I use have very negative um, connotations, and and it shouldn't. You know, I talked about this a lot and actually caught some heat, um, which I will respond to now. But uh, if if you get an offer for a job, uh, a job that outsiders would call a better job, which, you know, there's some fights over that, whether Michigan State's a better job. Um, I think it is, but only because you look at the pay and and that it, it is a job that's going to net a higher salary in terms of the rosters they have, in terms of where they're recruiting, in terms of where they're living. I think that there are a lot of advantages for Colorado. Um, you know, again, Michigan State, they were in a college football playoff recently. They've been to bowl games consistently recently. They do have that stuff. I don't think that gap right now is as wide as uh, outsiders may think it is, but there's really no denying that if you're, I mean, he isn't going to double his pay, but he's getting probably 50% more if he takes that job. Anybody should be taking that job interview. That's just like what they teach you going through business classes you know how how do you go about this what do you do in these situations you at least sit down with the interview you build those relationships you don't know if you're going to need those relationships later on um at the very least your current company realizes that you're um that that valuable it's it shows that if you come back and tell them whether you're asking for a raise whether you're going to ask for a raise two years down the line it's one more thing on your resume saying hey there was this interest here and that's notable. Also, it keeps your names in the headlines if it's such a high-profile job like Mel's is. Um, I made the comparison of it being like me. I really like my job. I like th- having this combination, doing the podcast, the writing, the reporting, all that kind of stuff. DMVR is a great company. I'm really happy here. But if ESPN comes calling and says, hey, we want to give you an interview for whatever job, you have to listen just because it is a step up. Um People did not like that I, uh, I don't even think I necessarily said like the jump between DMVR and ESPN is the same as the jump between Colorado and MSU. It's obviously, we'll call it a bigger jump, all that kind of stuff. Um, we can stop yelling at me about that now, please. But, uh, you know, if you look at the pay, uh, if, if a similar job without getting the details here at ESPN, you know, I probably double my pay. Mel doesn't quite double his. There you go. It's, it's just that same thing where... If somebody's offering you an interview for a job for more money, you'll look into it. And uh, uh, I don't necessarily think that has to be such a bad thing for Colorado. Um, it's just making sure it's it's the way things are supposed to work. Uh, I think we could all agree that if the the athletics department, um, the school decided Mel should be getting another million dollars per year. I think all of us who followed this program, even if it is another five, seven, five and seven season, maybe not even all of us. I think a lot of us though would say, yeah, I think he's been worthy of that. He's proved it in recruiting. He's proved it in the way he's, you know, kind of rejuvenated 
the buff nation, um, selling out the games, uh, all this kind of stuff, bringing more national attention to Colorado. Uh, he's done a lot of things, and I think if he got that raise, I think we'd all say, yeah, I think that's a good move. Keep him happy. Keep him happy here. Um, and if the winning doesn't come in the next year or two, then you start to get scared and think maybe that was the wrong decision. But as of right now, I mean, this is a weird thing to say when the goal is to win football games. But outside of winning football games, Mel's done a great job. Um, a spectacular job. Um, only going 5-7, and seven, repeating the same record as the year before. I, I think that that is, I mean, to me personally, not a huge disappointment. Um, I, I had him picked for 5-7. and seven. I thought it was a 5-7 and seven football team. I think it's more than that going into next year. I think because they have Visca, because they have a senior quarterback, there's more expected they did pull some of those big wins the road win over arizona state on the road um so there were some more upsides they did drop a couple games whatever um normally not a situation i don't think where you'd get a raise but if they did it we'd be all right i don't know there's all that kind of stuff going on again i don't think that this was a play for himself i do think that it does Give him clout for whatever he is trying to get done. And maybe there is nothing that he's trying to do right now. Um, But if he's trying to get more money for his assistant coaching pool, you know, I've heard some people talk about that. I think that that's very much on the table um, because, you know, he gets 2.9 million. Is that what it is for his assistant coaches? Michigan State, for example, gets a million dollars more to pay the assistant coaches. Maybe that's what Mel's trying to do. He's trying to retain more guys. He's trying to upgrade guys. Maybe he knew uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh it was going to be headed out unless Colorado could match the higher offer. He wanted to match the offer, and that's why he did it. Again, it's all speculation, and I've heard um, people who you know, typically have decent information w- where things are coming from in, in their minds, and that's one of the possible theories. Maybe not the stuff with Jimmy, but assistant coaches pool in general. Um Again, I don't. I would. I would just love to know what. If we could have been in Mel's head for that entire eighteen hours, from the time the report comes out um, to the time that uh, he says actually no, that would just be beautiful. Because there, there were so many different things that could have happened. Maybe he was going to interview for the Michigan State job. Saw how angry Buff fans were about that and realized, actually, no, I shouldn't, told them, shut it down before the interview happened. Again, because the interview was supposed to happen Saturday or Sunday. That's what the report was. It was going to happen over the weekend. Um, So it it was kind of a quick turnaround, and that's what you expect. You know, the thought that it's weird timing because he was in San Diego uh, fundraising when the report came out. Well, in those situations, you pretty much just get the phone call and need to interview quickly. It's, it's a very quick process. They want to get a head coach as fast as possible to get things back running inside the program, start hiring the assistants, getting ready for spring football, which is really around the corner. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe it was right before that report came out. It was at 4.30, whoever, the AD at Michigan State, called up Mel or Mel's agent and said, hey, we want you to interview. Will you do it? And then that report comes out immediately. He's got to do things quickly. And so I don't think that it being a timing thing 
I'm not too worried about the timing. I think some people thought it was strange timing. Um, it is worth noting that none of the um, thing, the the like banquets or whatever they call them, that were set up with the boosters throughout the weekend were ever canceled, um, which is interesting. Maybe that's because if Mel had to be in East Lansing on Sunday, Rick still would have held the thing without Mel and they would have kept it going. Um, that could be why. It could be because Mel never planned on going in the first place, so they kept it going. But we have all this half information. Um, and and there was really no way that we were going to be able to confirm it on our end. Um, I, I am a little surprised that nobody on the Michigan State end did confirm it, but their biggest newspaper in the state the one that covers Michigan State probably the best. I'm not super familiar, but it'd be like if actually Denver Post is a bad example because you know they have Sean Keeler up there. They do ha- cover the Buffs, but I, I think that the Detroit Free Press definitely. I mean, they have a couple of guys who cover Michigan State, and they have you know the research. We don't need to dig into the Denver Post kind of falling off recently because of the investors and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. It'd be like if the Denver Post were more bolstered and the Denver Post reported that whoever was coming to interview with the Buffs, that's probably a report that you trust. And at the same time, I think people here would work to confirm it and probably would confirm it. And that's the weird part that we didn't get that confirmation out of Michigan. But in terms of people here confirming the report that Mel Tucker is interviewing elsewhere, that's a lot tougher to do because Mel likely didn't tell a lot of people that he was going to do that before it happened in Boulder. And so calling around Boulder to say, hey, is this happening? They don't necessarily know that. And I and the other reporters don't have sources at Michigan State who we can call to confirm. And so that's why it's so tough to get the confirmation out on these stories, unless it's a reporter covering Michigan State who really wants to double check the Mel Tucker thing. But to them, Mel Tucker interviewing like it's a big thing, but it might not be the massive story where they're on the phones doing all sorts of different stuff to see if it's true. And they probably just assume it's true anyway, uh, because it is coming from the Detroit Free Press, a, a very reliable source of Michigan State coverage. It's just this whole weird thing. And that's why it was kind of weird on our end, because we couldn't get that confirmation. We, we don't know whether Mel Tucker was on the phone and said, yes, I'll do it. And that's what the sources passed along to the reporters and it was correct. Or if Mel was saying, eh, I don't know, that'd be kind of a weird answer because like I said, everything has to move so quickly. Um, it could be that he said, yes, I'm going to do it. And then always planned on backing out and always planned on not responding to the rumors until you know, 18 hours later after it had a chance to stew, after it became a storyline in Boulder because that's how he gets what he needs out of it. Um, whether he's trying to use that to say, say, Hey, look at how important I am. I know what I'm doing. I am wanted. And if, if you guys can't support me to the fullest here in Boulder, then I'm going to have to try something else. And whether that's a real bluff or a fake bluff, he needs that, or I guess it wouldn't be a real bluff if that's like the truth or if it's a bluff or, uh, if that's not even what happened, the, the, the point is that's his play. That's how he grabs power, whatever, so that he can go to Rick George. And if it is something like I need more money to do to pay my assistant coaches, to bring in new assistant coaches, to keep Jimmy Brumboff, that's what was going on behind the scenes. Again, speculation, but that's where that comes from. And all of a sudden he comes back and says, hey, this is what I need. 
There are people who will give me what I need. Let's just get this done. And then whoever's holding it back, whether it's Rick George, whether it's the Regents, whether it's whoever has control on whatever is going on, they say, okay, you're right. We'll give you this one. But keep that in mind. Remember, we're helping you out here. We're doing everything we can. We need wins. We need the money to be able to to keep doing this in the future. Whatever those discussions are like behind the scenes. Um, again, we just don't know. Maybe maybe the whole thing was fake. Maybe one of the sources heard... Um, I don't know. I can't think of somebody named like Tell Mucker was was actually interviewing and thought it was Mel Tucker and got that wrong and the whole report was wrong for the first place and Mel was never involved, um, and and he capitalized it by waiting, or he didn't wait at all and that was just his natural response time was around noon the next day, um, because it was late at night that there was a report and he was doing a bunch of different things and maybe he did want it to stew, um. Whatever it is, I know there's still a bunch of emotions about this whole thing. And there are emotions everywhere. And I can say that there were players who were shaken. There are former players who hit me up and were like, wow, what's going on? They wanted the update. Um, it was this whole big thing. And I think that's something that we will move past. I know that there was a team meeting today. I haven't heard anything about what was said, but there was there's a team meeting. I bet that that's all been quelled and everybody can move along. Mel can explain what happened and everybody can realize, okay, this is what we're set with. We can all calm down. Um, on Twitter, (laughs) people were not happy with how Mel handled it. And, you know, like I said, I think that's wrong. I think that when, when you, when you have the opportunity to build your brand, gain more power with in the school have one more thing that makes you seen in a more in a, in a better light nationally which going after this job does for better or for worse um you you have to take it on a personal level um and what rubs buffs fans the wrong way about this in particular is that he's in in some ways whether this was his goal or not gaining more power over um, the Buffs athletic administration, I would say, uh, and, and the regents and everything involved. Cause you know, he, he does take some of that power and hold it over them. Um, and he, he maybe not hold it over them. That might make it sound wrong, but I do think that that's part of it. And, and so it's kind of seen by some bus fans as an anti buff because he is kind of if, if he wanted to likely using this to pull some power away from whoever else has power in the athletics department or it within the university. And that can feel like anti buffs. But then we remember if we're trusting Mel Tucker and we really are bought into Mel Tucker, then giving him more power, letting him make more decisions. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, it's not that I don't think, you know, Mark Kennedy, the president has the buffs best interest in mind, or, uh, Rick George has the best interests in mind or whoever else or whoever else or in all the different levels throughout this entire organization. But Hey, Mel can po- potentially use this to get whatever he needs. Maybe, maybe he's going to use this card and say, Hey, you guys saw that I am wanted nationally, that, I have opportunities out there. If if this really is a destination job, then you guys can get me these six new tackling dummies and and the investment will be worth it. Look, I, I have this type of respect for me outside. They all know that I'm worth it. They're willing to invest in the program this much money because they know that I will do the right thing. 
just just try to get close work with me here because of that you know that's what these negotiations and maybe this is a card that he uses on whatever or whatever but you know or again maybe there was nothing political about it the report was wrong and he just responded to it and as a buff and whatever there's a lot there's a lot here um and i do think that we're going to hear more coming out um i don't necessarily think i mean i don't think he lost the locker room or lost the coaches or uh, should have lost the fans because of any of this um i think that this was just what should happen again he's a really good coach a lot of a lot of teams want good coaches and they're going to call and they're going to call him this offseason. They're going to call him next offseason. If all things keep going well, they're going to keep calling and calling and calling until he builds Colorado into a national contender. And this becomes, you know, nobody's calling Nick Saban about an open job because they know he's staying anyway. Because if a job is open, it's probably with a team that's a fringe bowl team and they're trying to rebuild. And I guess there's some guys who are into the rebuild and all that kind of stuff. And that's what's fun to them. And maybe they would leave a contender. But that's pretty rare until. Colorado becomes a place where a school like Michigan State says, there's no way we're taking a coach away from them. We're going to have to keep going through this. Um, And again, I thought that this was the type of thing that we'd start to see a couple of years down the road, but it happened already. There, There are other schools who can offer him more money right away. And that's the dangerous part here. The dangerous part is that until Colorado does become a consistent Pac 12 title contender, and the budgets increase because of that, because they are bringing in more revenue. Other schools can offer more money. And that's something I didn't expect. I, I, again, I thought this would be three years down the road, four years down the road that teams would start calling up, trying to get Mel. Um, but here we are and it's happening before the buffs have the money to pay for it. Um, in theory, we'll, we'll see what they can do. We'll see. We'll see if, you know, Darren Cheverini gets a raise in a couple months and we'll be like, huh, I wonder if that's what he used his card on. Or if, if, you know, last year they brought in the technology to track heartbeats and top speeds and all that type of stuff during practice, they could see who's putting in full effort, who's doing all this kind of stuff. They could have competitions who can keep their heart rate the highest, all this kind of stuff. And those were, that was an expensive investment. And that's something that Rick George said, yeah, I'll sign off on. We're betting on you. We can raise the budget. This is something you need to win. We'll give it to you. Well, guess what? Now maybe Mel can push it a step further and say, eh, well, not only do we need those, we need the Harvard moving tackling dummies. Can you get me those? And Rick George will be like, well, you know what? Let's keep Mel happy. Let's do it. And there's this back and forth and back and forth. And there will be things that happen. You know what? If, if they wind up going six and six, Rick George might be able to push back a little bit next year and say, hey, you know, as much as I'd like to, we just don't have the success. If you guys could have won another game, another two games, then we'd have that type of revenue to spend on that. We'd have that extra profit that we could be, but whatever. These are all the negotiations. This part of it, um, that's something that just goes on every day in the conversations. And it's not that they have a bad relationship. It's just the nature of their relationship. Um, Mel's always going to be asking for more. And Rick George can give it, he cannot give it, and he's not even the only one involved. And there's just so much politics in all of this. And again, I I don't fault Mel at all for any of the things that we can see that he's done. I don't think we should be angry at him. Um, 
I don't think we should be angry at anybody. I think this is just like what was supposed to happen. Um, he's a happy employee and happy employees can want more too. And I don't necessarily think that wanting more meant he wants more cash for himself. I mean, so he wants that Michigan state job. Um, I don't know. This is fun to talk about. Um, again, what's going on behind the scenes is always interesting stuff to me. And and I, we can talk about that even more, you know? Uh, and I think we will with the news that Jimmy Brumbaugh is headed to uh, Tennessee to be the defensive line coach there. All of a sudden there's an open position. Uh, is this an outside hire? Uh, does a guy like Corday Hankton um, get, get the nod, get an interview? Um, you know, let's, let's dig into that. But first I have to tell you about our good friends at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, such great beers, such great beers. The Mile High City beer, in case you haven't tried it yet, is a a copper ale. Um, again, I've said this so many times, but I am not a big like beer guy in that, like I know how beer all works. But I do know that it's a great beer and I really enjoyed it and I'm going to have a bunch more and we're so lucky to have a Breck hookup so that we can have some of those in the office and uh, uh, what a gift. What a gift Breckenridge is. Um, again, partnered with the Nuggets for the Mile High um, Mile High City Beer. It's so good. Um, you, can, you can find it by using the Breck Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Uh, it's also the official beer of DNVR. We have the Breckenridge event calendar at the DNVR.com where you can see all the events. There was the watch party illegal Pete's last week. Um, there's always stuff planned. Um, you should, you should definitely check that out. Come hang out with us. Cause those are so much fun. And we typically have drink specials and that kind of stuff for you. Um, so RSVP Breckenridge also has the strawberry sky, the hot peak Colorado core, so many good beers. Um, and they aren't that expensive. And that's the best part is that you're, you're, you're getting a better beer than the really cheap beer that you can grab um, at the gas station. You can grab these at the gas station and pay an extra dollar or two for a six-pack, 12-pack, whatever. And it's just such good beer um, for that price. Again, you can find it using the Breck Beer Locator on their website. Um so thankful, so thankful for everything that they do for us. Also thankful for another one of our local partners, Bojo's Pizza, where you can get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. If you mention DNVR, it's a steal. Um, they have locations all over uh, Colorado, six of them. Um, the offer works at all of them. Their dough is freshly made um, every single day. They put honey, locally sourced honey, in the crust and it just makes it such a unique pizza it's the only place you can get a true colorado mountain pie it's locally owned legendary also just straight up good pizza they have gluten-free options um they have vegan options all that sort of stuff they have a salad bar that i know adam Mata's was a big fan of i don't get the joke but they were making jokes about it if you guys listen to nuggets podcast you guys are probably in on it um I, I listen enough to the other podcasts that I like, I get a lot of it, but there's still things that I just miss because there's so much content every day. Um, again, mention DNVR, get yourself a free honey cheese bread at Bojo's with the purchase of an entree. Can't beat that deal. It works at every location. 
Okay. Uh, Jimmy Brumba. Where do we start? Um, let's start by talking about who exactly Brumba was before we get into more speculation. That's the fun part. Um, Okay, so Jimmy Brumbaugh, uh, defensive line coach for Colorado uh, for one year. Um, just last season, he came, not necessarily, he didn't come with Mel Tucker, but Mel hired him out of the University of Maryland. Uh, he was a co-defensive coordinator there. He was the defensive line coach there. That was for two seasons. Um, again, Jimmy Brumbaugh, good coach. Uh, we've talked about what I look for when evaluating a coach. There are so many different things, especially in college football where recruiting is a big a factor, you know, that's part of an assistant coach's job, not just getting the most out of players, which is the job for a for a coach at the next level, position coach at the NFL. So, um, I've been really impressed with Jimmy. Um, I think that if you look at his defensive lineman last year, um, you want to see progress. Again, that's how I like to grade coaches. That's what I want most out of my assistant coaches. I don't you know, there's, there's so many things, so many coaches have a tendency to make their job just about like teaching the playbook or game planning or, or putting those guys into those situations, like explaining on this play, here's what you do. Don't blow that assignment. This is your assignment. That's how you do this stuff. And, and that's a lot of what coaching is. What Mel Tucker in particular places an emphasis on, and this is again, what I really like is developing players, getting them from their true freshman year to their red shirts senior year, getting better and better every week, every game. And I think that we saw a lot of that out of Jimmy Brumbaugh's group last year at the defensive line. Um, remember, Mustafa Johnson hurt for a lot of the year. Jalen Sami, a guy we were really excited to see after everything he had gone through. Um, he developed a lot throughout the season. Early in the season, I know people were frustrated with how he was playing. Late in the season, I think a lot of people got really excited for what he could potentially be in the future. Um, you know, Terrence Lang, uh, Naim Rodman getting some good production early. That list keeps going. Again, that group, that defensive line group, was a sneaky strength, in my opinion, especially considering where they came from and the fact that they were without Mustafa or with uh, a lessened version of Mustafa for so much of the year. Um, It's a loss. It's a big loss, I think. Uh, He's going to Tennessee to take the same job. Um, Who knows? Maybe there's a rift in the coaching staff, but I really doubt it. Um, I haven't seen the numbers come out yet. I'd guess that they just offered him the opportunity to do the same job for more money. And again, whenever, like we were talking about earlier, if somebody offers you that opportunity, you got to talk about it. Um, Even if it's just to build the relationships so that when something goes wrong, you have one more opportunity, one more set of phone numbers you can call up to say, hey, you guys uh, still looking? Is there anything I can do? Because they're impressed. Or you never know where those guys are going to go, whether all of a sudden they're the athletic department department, you know, the head coach just gets the upgrade. All of a sudden, he's the head coach at some other school, a national contender, and maybe he gives you another call because he was impressed by the interview, and that's when you want to go. You got to listen. He listened, decided it was the best opportunity. Um, you totally wish him the best. Only positive interactions with him. Now there's a hole in this coaching staff, though. Um, I also, before I forget, um, Legend Brumbaugh, Jimmy's son, 
is on the football team, on the Buffs football team. He's a tight end, um, a guy who I think could be poised for a breakout. Um, just by looking at him, he's one of those where you're like, yeah, you should be really good at football. Um, just takes time to develop all the skills. I think that he could, he has a really good shot at being like the number two tight end with Brady Russell. I think they use a lot of tight ends. I think he becomes a weapon at tight end. Um, again, just speculation. If his father is leaving to go coach at Tennessee, maybe he decides he wants to go with his dad and play for Tennessee. Haven't heard anything about that, but that's on the table. Something we should all have in our minds uh, when thinking about the situation. Um, the question is, who is uh, who's next up to uh, be the defensive line coach? Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Corday Hankton um, before we went to break. When I kind of like teased this stuff. Um, again, that'd be... It's it's unlikely. I I definitely think it's unlikely because he's been working with receivers. He's been mostly doing offensive stuff. But when you look at guys inside the organization who uh, who they would likely like to promote, it, um, it would be him. He's um, if you guys haven't heard the story, he's a graduate assistant. He came here after being a defensive coordinator um, at a high school. Uh, he was a cop before, decided he wanted to get into this, interviewed with Mel Tucker when Mel was working with his older, I think older brother Cortez um, at Georgia. And then when Mel got this job, like a year later, he called up and said, hey, do you want a GA job? And at the time, Corday, like I said, was a defensive coordinator at a high school in Louisiana. Uh, Corday was the lead, I believe, on Ashad Clayton's recruiting. He has that New Orleans Highs. That's kind of their big guy recruiting down there. He's had success. I think that they'd like to build on that by getting him a job. I don't know if it's necessarily this job. Again, defensive line coach, those techniques, eh. Uh, it's a jump because he's been working with the receivers. Like I said, he's an offensive graduate assistant in Boulder. When you look, again, in the lower levels, who could be up next to get an assistant coaching job, a position coaching job? I really think that he's a big-time candidate for that. Um, just maybe not this one. Um, I, I, he's one that's tough to lose, though. I'll say that. Um, if, if he were to get offered one of those jobs somewhere else, especially after he has this momentum from bringing in Ashad Clayton, you'd, you'd hate to see him. Um, theirs isn't an upgrade an opportunity if you really look through the buffs coaching staff um you know he'd, he'd probably like i say said get into an assistant coaching job um offensively you have jay johnson who's working with the quarterbacks right now Cheverini, obviously uh the receivers coach tyson or i'm oh, sorry um uh, <laughs> uh running backs is darian hagan uh chris kapilovic working with the offensive line the run game um, Al Pupunu working with the tight ends. So there isn't really a spot for him to go. Um, and I, I, it'd probably be too big of a jump for him to go to the defensive side. But when you think of who from within is on their way to a promotion, he's always at the top of my mind. Um, defensive graduate assistants, you know, Dalvin Gibson, um, mostly working with the inside linebackers, Pretty young still for that job, but he's been around um, for a while. 
Uh, what's he going into? Is he going into his third season? Um, you never know. You also have like Blaine Miller, the other graduate assistant on the defensive side, um, came from Georgia with Mel, worked there for a while. I, you know, I honestly don't know enough about those guys to say if they're a favorite, whether they should be a candidate, if they're ready for those spots. But I will say that those are the likely names if they do hire from within. And I bet that throughout the next week or so, we'll probably start to hear who's getting interviewed, who's getting considered, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the favorite right now, I'd still have to say, is probably an outside hire. Um, I would guess there's still people on Mel's list of you know defensive line coaches who he'd like to work with. Um, even if Jimmy Brumbaugh was his favorite last year, who knows? Maybe like we were talking about earlier, maybe he does secure some more money for his assistant coaches. And if that's the case, maybe he starts using that by uh, kicking off uh, things by bringing in a uh, big-time defensive line coach. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I, again, I, I I wish Jimmy Brumbaugh the best. Uh, I would really like to see legend Brumbaugh stay in Boulder. Um, I do think that losing Jimmy is a big loss, but it's an opportunity to bring in somebody else, and we'll see what they do. And who knows? Maybe one of these young guys is an upcoming star and it's their time to uh, make the leap to assistant coach, position coach. Um, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun to track this. Um, I don't know. Uh, again, now that I have spent enough time following this football program and I know the names and the faces and the interactions and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, the, these political decisions, I mean, this is when these little intricacies get interesting. Hopefully, you know, hopefully a guy like Blaine Miller is that type of prospect in their eyes and we should know to start spending more time on him. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting because if you think about the people they're bringing in, you, you want to get Antonio Alfano, the best coaching possible. He's your next star. Um, let's move on, though. Let's move on. We'll follow this coaching search as it continues. Um, but we have to talk about the number 16 ranked Colorado Buffaloes. This is a massive week and it's crazy that this is only coming up in the final segment because of everything that's happening on the football side, but uh we'll be talking a lot about this Oregon game, what exactly it means and uh you know, we should probably talk a little bit about Stanford. Um you know, Colorado Colorado didn't get off to the start it probably should have um, fell behind at one point down 16 goes on the 16 to two run to cut things closer and then pulled out a pretty decent win. You know, they were in control the last six, seven minutes. Um, just didn't show up early. Sometimes that happens. Um, didn't hurt them this time. Do want to say, you know, that situation, Evan Batty, Oscar De Silva, scary stuff. Uh, I wrote a column about it in case you guys haven't actually, while I was recording this podcast, Rick George retweeted it. So if you need an endorsement, there you go. Rick George says, well done. So you should read it, please. Um, it's also free. So if you guys aren't subscribers, uh, you can go to the website. It's actually the first free story. I'll, I'll probably have, I'll try to get another free one up here in the next sometime this month, sooner than that. But we do like to tease you guys with that stuff. Um, Check that out. There's some thoughts on that whole situation. The overriding theme is we are just so lucky to have Evan Batty. Um, and that was a moment for him. And it's not necessarily a moment that came from where we want it to, but 
we got another window into who he is and it was a great window really impressive um yeah they won that game now it's time to look at Oregon um before we talk about Oregon though I'm gonna let Ryan tell you about Blake Street Tavern What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, Uh, time now to talk about the game Thursday on ESPN number 16th ranked Colorado Buffaloes against the number 17th number 17 ranked uh, Oregon Ducks in Eugene it's going to be a tough one I think Oregon's going to be a pretty heavy favorite at home but this is just such a great opportunity um just you know we're going to talk a lot about this this week but tonight I kind of want to frame the discussion and let you know what exactly this game means. So right now, Colorado has a one-game lead at the top of the uh, Pac-12. They are, what, 8-3, and three, and Oregon is second at 7-4, and four, and then you have, let's see, 8-3, and 7-4, and four, Arizona right behind them at 7-5. Uh, and five. So... There is some separation now, and Colorado has a chance to really increase that separation and take that tiebreaker. So essentially, if Colorado can beat Oregon on Thursday, then for Oregon to win the regular season Pac-12 conference, they'd have to finish 6-0, and Colorado would have to finish 3-3. Uh, those odds are very heavily in Colorado's favor. You know, in that case, it's probably Arizona who's next most likely uh, behind Colorado to win the Pac-12, but that's kind of what's on the line. Meanwhile, if the Buffs lose, then all of a sudden Colorado and Oregon are both 8-4, and and they've split the tiebreaker, and it's just going to be a race to the finish in the Pac-12. So that's kind of what's on the line, a chance to really knock out Oregon from the title race, um, and if they fail, then Oregon's right back in it. That's a massive game. That's why it's on ESPN. Not even like ESPN2, ESPNU, just straight up ESPN. Um, I, I, somebody tweeted something about uh, like it being Bill Walton, Dave Pash, and Mark Jackson on the call. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, I haven't confirmed it. It might have been like Silver Buff. I can't remember. It's one of your guys' tweets that I read. Um yeah, so that's kind of what we're looking at. Uh, being in Boulder today, I had a chance to talk with Tyler Bay off the record a little bit. Um, not a lot, but for a couple minutes. It's his birthday, by the way. Hopefully you guys all said happy birthday on Twitter or something. He's 22. Um, he is doing nothing for his birthday. That's a good sign. Maybe he's doing something for his birthday. Maybe, and he just doesn't want to say exactly what it is, but... 
I think he knows that saying he's doing nothing for his birthday and he's getting ready for some uh, basketball, that's what you want to hear. You know, today was a pretty light practice. They only went for an hour. Um, they split up into three groups, I think, each with a different assistant coach and just did some shooting drills, worked on knocking down some shots. And uh, tomorrow, Tad said, is when they're really going to lock into Oregon. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, those practices will be game planning, getting ready for that game. Um Wednesday, right after practice, they head to the airport to get out to Eugene, and then Thursday's game day. Uh, so that's kind of what they're looking at this week, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. Again, this is a chance to really put themselves on the map. They're already number 16. Uh, they haven't been ranked higher than this since uh, 2014, I believe, um, and they haven't been ranked this high this late in the season since Chauncey Billups was on the team, I think, in 97, 98. Um, and then the coaches poll, they're number 15. That's the highest they've been ranked in the coaches poll since 1968-1969 season. Things are great. Um, again, you pull off this win over Oregon, all of a sudden this team could be a top 10 team in the country in the rankings. Uh, assuming they finish things against Oregon State, if they lose that game, then their backs are up against the wall going into that Oregon State game on Saturday. They can't afford to lose two games in the weekend. They've already lost to Oregon State. Um, Oregon lost to Oregon State on the road last weekend. Um, even though Oregon State is the second-to-last team in the Pac-12 conference, they still have won four games and some of those, I mean, one against Oregon, one on the road at Colorado, those are just some decent wins. Uh, you can't overlook anybody, especially our good friends from Missoula, Trace Tinkle and his father, Wayne Tinkle. Um, yeah, that's that's what's coming up this weekend. Um, a chance to pull off what should be an upset. You know, Oregon, I think ESPN has them as like a 72% chance to win that game. Um, using whatever they call it, the basketball power index or something like that. Um, Oregon's going to be favored at home. That's a good basketball team. We know it's a good basketball team. If Colorado can pull it off, talking to Tyler today, especially his off the record, he was, he's into it. Um, he was pretty hyped. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a big week here talking basketball. So hopefully you guys are ready for that. Um, I have some thoughts. And we'll get into those over the next couple of days. But I think this is going to do it for today. Um, I will be back tomorrow on Tuesday with more. Oh, I didn't even check for questions. Um, if you guys have any questions, any comments, any thoughts on everything that's going on with Mel Tucker, with uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh and who his potential replacements are, if you have favorites that you want to start pushing for, um, you have a lot of options. Uh, you know... Pick something, send it in, let me know what you think, um, and we will get to those tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad, holly get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Yeah. When I hit the field, 
it's so hard to behave. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. I'm Colorado swag in the middle of the ring.